Hey, uh, good morning, everybody. Hello. Uh, Man, it is so good to see uh, your faces. I, I, uh, I saw some of you last, last Sunday was my last first Sunday back from uh, my sabbatical, and I see those who are here this week, and there's newcomers, of course, and we're just really glad you're here. Welcome. Uh, turn to your neighbor, and you're only allowed to say these words. Just so you know, I'm truly back. Say, you look good. I love it. Uh, again, uh, thank you for the profoundly nice welcome to be back. And uh, before we get into our message this morning, a uh, couple of things we just want to talk about. Um, it's great to come back after being away and finding some good news. And one of the things that I've been really excited about this year, how God opened up uh, in, in such a cool way, our, our partnership with Share Family and Community Services. And uh, it's, it's so neat how every Wednesday, people who need groceries come to our facility and are so well served. And a good number of the volunteers that are downstairs welcoming them, welcoming them are hillsiders. And so it's just so neat how that's opened up. And yesterday they had a toy bank. Uh, those families could come to our basement again on Saturday and uh, pick out age-appropriate toys for their families for, for Christmas. It was beautiful. I mean, they had Star Wars Lego down there, the Destroyer. I mean, some kid is going to really love that. Um, and then this coming Saturday, uh, this, this just warmed my heart, uh, is going to be a dinner that we're putting on. We're going to be putting on two Christmas dinners on Saturday for, for the invites. The invites went out to the, the, those that attend the food bank. And uh, I think last count, we have 150 people coming on Saturday. We're going to have two seatings. And uh, it's going to be amazing putting on a Christmas. Santa's going to be there. It, it's it's going to be awesome. And so would you pray for us as we kind of throw out that welcome to the neighborhood? I mean, what a great thing that they're coming. And uh, a lot of them are single parents uh, in new Canadians. And some are, are refugees. And just the fact that we get to be Jesus to them is such a gift. Privilege. And then... Uh, we're doing Alpha again in the new year in January. And uh, some of you um, have been through an Alpha course. Some of you came to know Jesus because of an Alpha course. I, I know some of you that, that had that experience where the light went on for you during this 10-week program. And, and so we're doing that again and uh, want to encourage you to consider coming. Maybe for you, that would be a great place for you to explore the Christian faith for yourself. I, I want you to think about who you might invite, and uh, be, be looking for those kind of opportunities. It's starting very soon. It's Jan, uh, a month from today, January 9th, and so we want to start inviting now, and they can register on our website. But we also uh, announced one thing, is that Angel and I are going to be leading the course. We, we just decided that this week, and so we've got some kind of heavy lifting to do. There's been lots of legwork, but we're short in some key areas of volunteers. Angel, can you give us probably the, the, the quick... What are the, the major volunteer opportunities that we have? Uh, we need uh, help in the kitchen for cooking. Um, so uh, if you have time, uh, we would love to see you there. Uh, set up crew, take down crew, cleaning crew, um, leaders to lead. Um, so yeah, if you have any gifts in that regard, I would encourage you and challenge you. Um, some of you, I know you're working and you don't have time 
uh, I was thinking this week, Devin, uh, of one of uh, our good friends. Uh, you know, she is pretty high up in her. She's like a top executive. Top executive. And she went and asked her boss saying, can I take, go home on Wednesdays at 3 p.m. so that I could go and cook in the kitchen? And I'm like, what, you do cook in the kitchen? And she goes, yeah, I feel like I'm meant to extend, you know, and, and do something that is sacrificial. And I would challenge you, you know, pray about it, ask God saying, can I go and ask my boss, you know, can I go home early so that I could go and serve uh, in a neat way. You really do see the kingdom of God breaking through when you do Alpha. So uh, challenge you that way. So uh, if you want to get involved at, at this point, you can still contact Simon by way of his email, or you can get in touch with Angel or I. And would you please let us know sooner than later? I mean, uh, again, if you, if you can't serve the entire time, there's jobs that where you don't need to be there every week. Uh, we'll, we'll coordinate you, but uh, if you'd let us know, that'd be great. Why don't we pray? Again, for, for Alpha and for this Saturday's dinner. I just think it's so cool we're doing that. So, so bow your heads with me, and let's just lift this up before God. Lord, uh, we're all here because someone invited us or welcomed us or someone told us the story of the good news of Jesus. And uh, Lord, you told us to tell the good news. You've also told us to be the good news. And we're really grateful this weekend that we have an opportunity to be the good news to our neighborhood, to those who maybe are, are, are hurting or suffering or in need in some way in their lives, Lord, and we're so grateful to be able to put on a dinner, Lord, a feast. Uh, it, it sounds like so New Testament, the kind of thing Jesus, the kind of banquet that Jesus told <laughs> us about. And so we're, we're putting, Lord, we're so grateful that there's those, those who've said they'll come, and I pray for those, our workers and, and cooks and the people who are serving this Saturday that uh, we might be like Jesus to them. Lord, bringing them uh, hope and encouragement this Christmas. And then in the new year, Lord, as we embark on Alpha again, uh, we would love for that uh, to be the kind of experience for many people where they, they get to explore honestly questions of faith. And uh, so, Lord, we look to you and we pray. Would you provide? And, and uh, Lord, there's those who, who maybe you're calling right this morning to serve in this we pray you'd speak to them and, and, and enable them to step out and maybe even sacrificially serve. So we lay that before you, and uh, Lord, like, like our five loaves and two fish, we, we bring them to Jesus, and you can do such great things with it, we pray you would. Now in this time, would you speak to us as we share our sabbatical story? I pray you might encourage and inspire us as we all consider what it means to follow Jesus. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, again, for those of you who are new or to Hillside, Angel and I uh, went on a five-month, close to five-month sabbatical, and uh, this was a time of taking off my pastor's hat and pastor's duties and actually um, doing things like rest and uh, read and play and study, and uh, it was fantastic, and uh, we traveled quite a bit. We did some great things. Uh, and today, Angel and I are going to share about some of the things we did and how they kind of inspired us, maybe even how we learned some things along the way. But first, can I just say thank you, Hillside, for this incredible gift. Like, uh, I, I bump into all kinds of pastors who haven't had sabbaticals, and I, and I bump into pastors who feel like their sabbaticals were too short. And uh, 
you guys were incredibly generous to us, and we just want to say thank you for, for this gift. Thank you for supporting us financially. Thank you for, for praying for us. F many of you fasted and prayed for us. You know, we had such a good time, like in that sense. We felt God was so near us. Um, he spoke to us so many times. And uh, as I've come back and I've sensed that happened because you have prayed, you know, fasted and prayed for us. And so thank you. Uh, we're, uh, we're just like stunned by your generosity. I think of the, the elders and staff team who served sacrificially and carried extra burdens because we were gone. And uh, just realistically, it, it was a, maybe a tougher road for some. And so if, you're in, if we have any elders or staff team, if you're in the room, I know, I know you're not all in the room, but would you just stand up real quick? If you're an elder or on our staff team, would you stand up? Let's give these guys a huge round of applause. Thank you. Thank you so much. Have a seat. Okay, on to what we did and what we learned. Um, as I was thinking about it, Angel, you and I... In our entire, we've been married 26 years. We've, we've known each other for close to 30. We have never spent this amount of concentrated time together. 24 hours a day. For like, <laughs> out of our time, she worked some, and, but we traveled and worked together 24 seven, I think for like 85 or 90 days, like it, over, over this time. It was, it was intense. <laughs> I'm gonna, we're gonna get a t-shirt. I survived my sabbatical. Uh, it, it was awesome, actually. We, we, I'd say we rocked it for the most part. God was good. Now, when people ask what we did, uh, our sabbatical was kind of broken up into four big pieces or four parts, chapters, if you wanna look at it that way. Three of them were Angel and I together, and the last one, I was on my own. We'll, we'll kind of walk through them with you. First was in Eastern Canada. I told some of you that someone told me that the Maritimes of Canada were a soulful place, and it's true. So we actually headed off to the, the Maritimes. In fact, um, my mom turned 90 in July, and so our first stop was London, Ontario, and we had a big birthday party, and then Angel and I rented a car, and we basically drove east with like pit stops in Montreal, and then Quebec City, and then uh, Fredericton, and then off to the rest. And we probably spent the majority of our time, probably about five weeks in, in Newfoundland, Nova Scotia, and PEI. It was, it was crazy. Angel, uh, tell us, what would you say was one of your favorite things uh, that you saw on the East Coast? Let me see it. You're off. There you go. You're on. Um, so that was uh, one highlight. Puffins and whales. Somebody actually in the first service said, said she resembles the puffin. And, I, and no, I it, it only Durbin said that. Nobody said that. No. <laughs> yeah, no, no. I'm, I, I did say my wife was, puffins are funny little birds and they're short. <laughs> and, 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 and watching them fly, they're like these kind of, they're kind of, they're like really entertaining to watch and uh, I said angel look like a puffin and afterwards somebody says well you know who you are in the story I'm the whale apparently that's what <laughs> yeah you know it's funny Devin says uh, on this sabbatical he took his wife on a cruise uh, 
really he didn't. Uh, it was the uh, ferry from Newfoundland to Nova Scotia. The ferry ride is 16 hours, so uh, he says he took Very me. romantic, very good. It's like, you know, for cruisers, for, the, for those who don't like cruising, it was brilliant. So, um, Angel, what was one of the other things? Uh, we spent a lot of, long time over there in the East Coast. What was something that you learned or appreciated about our time there? One of the things uh, we did uh, was we listened to uh, Tim Keller uh, doing Psalms, uh, his devotions. Um, that wasn't nothing new, but what was new was uh, in the introduction, what he says is after each Psalm, uh, do respond in three ways. Um, one is adore. Um, so adore God through the psalm that you had just listened to or uh, read. And then the second thing is to admit, to confess. Um, and the third one is to aspire. How, what can I aspire to be or to become? And um, David and I did that. So we would do the devotions and then we would... Um, do, uh, do the adore, admit, and aspire. I found the admit uh, part of it was pretty profound uh, when we did it together. Confessing as a husband and wife, humbling ourselves, and confessing to each other our failures, our fears, um, our brokenness, it's a powerful thing. It's a powerful thing. Uh, you know the kingdom of God is upside down because when you confess and open yourself to God, God and his kingdom invades your life in a very, very powerful way. And yeah. I, when we did that, and there were some days we would do short, but then there were some days we did a couple of hours. We would... And uh, we never had that kind of time ever to do, like sit and pray for a couple of hours. So it was pretty powerful. Yeah, it was very, very, very cool. It was very, very cool. Um, Angel, as we were traveling, one of the things we talked about was we were, we were kind of trying to find this tension. We didn't want to be tourists. We wanted to be pilgrims. And we, we, there's a bit of a tension there, but, but uh, we talked about it a lot because we actually went to a lot of places that are kind of like, in Canada, tourist hotspots, you know, like we went to Peggy's Cove. Uh, we went to, like my favorite place on the East Coast was the Bay of Fundy. It's like a bathtub. You watch it empty and you watch it fill every six hours. Just, it was, it was unbelievable. Um, and, and, and like, of course, we went to the, uh, what do you call it? The cultural heartbeat of Canada, the home of Anne of Green Gables or the setting for Anne of Green Gables, which was just her highlight, not mine so much. But, but Angel, what would you say were some of the things that helped us transform just touring or sightseeing into something more like a spiritual pilgrimage? We did slow days. Uh, we called them slow days. Um, pausing along the way. Uh, some places we stayed for uh, five days and we just paused. Um, you know, if you know Derwin, if you set him loose in a new place, he wants to conquer that city. He will do research, everything prior. Some of you are like that, I know you. And they want to just let loose and conquer the city. That's Derwin. And, uh, anybody, so mar anybody married to somebody like that and you're not quite, the, yeah, okay. And uh, uh, so this time we made sure we weren't there to conquer cities. We were there to rest. And so um, uh, 
like we went to uh, what's that cathedral we went to in the Basilica of Notre Dame in Montreal. And we yeah. went there. You know, there were people just looking around, touring around. We went there, and we just sat, and we journaled, and we prayed, yeah. and uh, we went to the little yeah, chapel. So, so that was pretty meaningful. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I remember uh, a day in Quebec City where we had been, we'd become, it felt like, tourists in Quebec City. Quebec City's amazing, historic city in Canada. And uh, so we decided to not do anything touristy that day. We went to, uh, we went to the Plains of Abraham, but not to see this, the historic site, but to sit in a park bench. And we sat on separate park benches, actually. <laughs> and we just kind of read and journaled and walked around uh, the, the park and, and uh, kind of soaked up a day with God and quiet. It was very, very cool. Uh, the other thing we did, uh, you know, we drove like 6,000 kilometers uh, from Ontario to, to the, all the way to the East Coast. And one of the things we did was Derwin took a couple of courses from Regent. Um, for those of you who don't know Regent, it's a seminary in Vancouver. And so we took two courses. First one was um, the Gospel of John by Rick Watts. Mm. And that was very meaningful to hang out with Jesus for that many days yeah. was pretty powerful. And the other one was uh, David, uh, the life of David and leadership of David. Um, we did that and we found that to be pretty profound too. We yeah. could relate to lots of things that David went through. David's life is not always on highs. It was lows as well. And uh, it was very healing and restorative. Yeah, doing it's like that. The rugged life of David, and we're experiencing like sort of his wilderness years and all that kind of stuff, and we're experiencing some of the wilderness of Canada as we're traveling around. It was really, mm -hmm. it was really quite something. Um, pilgrimage is also kind of an adventure, and and it's fun because God's in it, and we, and you're looking to Him, and and as you're looking to God, uh, and and this is in your life every day. As we look to God, don't you find that? You have unusual experiences along the way that, be, that, that come to life and connections with people and those kind of things. Uh, I remember when we were in a, having lunch at a little cafe in uh, a little village in Nova Scotia. Uh, I, I have to interrupt. We are sitting and I'm having a grilled cheese and Devin is having whatever. All of a sudden, he puts his finger up and he's just running out the... And I'm like, I leave the restaurant. I go running out of the runs, restaurant. He just runs, and I'm thinking, okay, somebody's breaking into our house, or, uh, breaking into our car, or uh, the car is on fire. Yeah. It, it turned out it was friends of ours from Vancouver, Christian friends who have been such an encouragement to us over the years, and they actually came in off the street and, and ate half of Angel's grilled cheese sandwich, and then we had dinner together in, uh, in, in that, that same city later on the day. But I think of the kind of connections we had along the way. The churches we visited, um, we uh, got a chance to, my, my favorite church was one where I didn't understand the language. We went to a church in Montreal, it was entirely in French, mm -hmm. and I must have the gift of interpretation or something, <laughs> because as we sat there, God spoke to me through that entire service, and I went away inspired <laughs> and want, wanting more of what God wanted in my life. I think of uh, a service that we attended in PEI, a, a church that reminded me most, out of all our travels, it was a church in Summerside PEI that reminded me most of Hillside. Mm -hmm. And at the end, the pastor was standing at the door, and we got talking, and he says, that's it. My wife and I are taking you out for lunch. 
And, and we got to, to go out to a, a beautiful seaside restaurant in, in Summerside and share about the joys and some of the sorrows of, of pastoral life and to connect in those ways. I think we, we made kind of a lifelong friend with uh, those, those friendly people in PEI, I tell you. Uh, I never do that with people. I never say, hey, we're taking you for lunch today. I got I to gotta start that practice. <laughs> um, I think that would be a good thing. So the East was really good. The best part, uh, I would say, was that God was with us, and God led us, and we met him there. Moving on, the next big piece of our sabbatical was, we was actually closer to home. It was in Alberta, Kareth uh, Retreat, Kareth uh, Creek Retreat Center. It's just outside Calgary, uh, in kind of the close to the Kananaskis region, uh, so beautiful farmland, ranch land. Uh, deer were there to greet us when we arrived, and moose were there to send us off at the end. It was, it was a riot. Um, so in this big house, there were uh, three other couples, pastoral couples and, and us, and the, the leaders. Uh, we had a lot of fun together. Um, uh, we shared meals, lots of laughter, Tears too. Um, it was fun. One of the highlights for me there was the intensive counseling sessions uh, Devin and I got to have. Uh, so what they before you go, you fill out all these questionnaires so they know where you are at uh, in many ways, and so they are not shooting in the dark. Um, so they know who you are and where you are at. And the way I would uh, describe it, it's like taking your, uh, your car to the dealership. You know, if you buy a new car after about six months or a year, you're supposed to take the car so that they could look under the hood and say, things are good, you know, it's running well. Or no, you know, you need this oil change or whatever. Uh, that's what we felt like, what they were doing with us. And um, that was pretty, pretty powerful. Yeah, it was really, really good. Um, one of the things uh, that I enjoyed the most there probably was, was those sessions where I actually felt like God put his finger on some things uh, as a couple, some, but more so about us individually. Mm-hmm. And uh, just, don't you feel like your life is a little bit like an onion? <laughs> and uh, there's always just more things that you need to address in your life. And, and God's intention is, is to peel those back one at a time as you're ready and to address those issues in your life. And it might be baggage from your past, it might be patterns or habits, bad habits that you picked up, lies you've believed. And I found God just addressed some core things while we were at at Kareth Retreat that were rich. And again, I felt like it was because of your prayers. So thank you. Mm -hmm. But it it made me think too of our value here at Hillside, uh, of being intentional about pursuing emotional Mm-hmm. and relational health, and that God has a desire to make you whole and holy, right? So just value that. The next piece of our sabbatical was a little bit more exotic because we went to Greece and Turkey. Uh, what we did there was we joined a biblical archaeological tour of ancient sites connected to the New Testament. Uh, the tour was called the Cradle of Christianity, even though uh, the church was born in Israel, in Jerusalem. Uh, most of its early years of development and growth was in Greece and Turkey. I, I know many of you would have loved to have been with us. We were on this, it was a bus tour with about 20 others. And uh, for me as a Bible teacher and, and preacher, 
it was awesome. <laughs> like to, and I know some of you really love the Apostle Paul. You would have been just crazy over this. We started in Athens. Athens is just such a historic city, right? And, and it, it, everywhere you are in Athens, you can see the Acropolis. And on top of the Acro- Acropolis are a bunch of, of remains of, of buildings that once were there. Uh, unbelievable sight. At nighttime, they light it up. It's, it's gorgeous. But it, at the top is the Parthenon, which was a, a temple to Athena. And then on the back side of that, that hilltop, uh, there's a, a real rugged, you can see it in this picture on the right, uh, this this just rocky outcrop is uh, Mars Hill, <laughs> where, where famously the Apostle Paul, as recorded in Acts chapter 17, uh, pointed to a, a, a had, had referred to an inscription he'd seen on an altar to an unknown God, and then proceeded to explain to them who that unknown God was, that he was the maker of heaven and earth. It, profound experience for us to just we just wandered this hilltop for, for a while, and, and, and as we, we just, uh, Angel and I went a couple days before our tour, and we, we just wandered Athens, and we're bumping into history. We found out where Socrates was imprisoned back many, many years before, so very, very cool experience. And then we went on to travel all over Greece. We visited sites like Corinth, which was maybe one of my favorites, and Delphi, uh, home of the Oracle of Delphi, kind of the center of Greek worship in its day. And then places like Berea. Do you remember the Bereans? They were known for their study of the word. They, they, they wanted to check out what the Apostle Paul said, so they went and studied scripture. So there was the Bereans. And, and, and we went to Thessalonica and, and Philippi, which, which yeah. for you is important. Uh, for me, uh, Philippi was a, a defining place for me. Um, some of you know Paul wrote the letter to the Philippians. Um, and the church, it talks about the story in, in Acts 17. Uh, just to set the context, let me read a bit of uh, uh, Acts 17. Uh, here is Paul and Silas uh, and Luke. They are on this missionary journey. And Paul had just had a dream that he's supposed to go to Macedonia. Uh, in verse 11, it says, uh, uh, from Troas... We put out to sea and sailed straight to Samothrace. And next day we went to Neapolis. From there we traveled to Philippi, a Roman colony, and the leading city of the district of Macedonia. And we stayed there several days. It's funny, it's cool, because we traveled through those three cities, Troas, Neapolis, Philippi, um, actually around the whole uh, region of Macedonia. In verse 13, it says, On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman from the city of Thyatria, we went there too, named Lydia, a merchant in purple cloth. She was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message, which was Jesus. Uh, When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. Uh, So we went to the exact spot where Paul would have met Lydia, that river. Mm. Uh, um, and the, the leader who led our tour, uh, he gave us a talk and then gave us the free time to wander around. 
um, had some time to think. Um, and so I, there I was, put my feet in the same river uh, that they would have went in. And um, I was thinking about Lydia. I could relate to parts of Red Lydia. She was a woman. Uh, and she was in the business world in that day and age. Uh, and I am also in the business world. I've had my accounting business for 24 years. And she, you could see from what we read, she has the gifts of hospitality. She wanted Paul and his team to come and stay. And so I was pondering about that. And I had this amazing deep experience and I was like praying, um, saying, Lord, make me like Lydia. Make me like Lydia in this world. I want to be like Lydia. And I found the Lord responding to me, saying, be faithful where you are, angel. Be faithful in who you are, who I made you to be. You know, don't try to be somebody else. Just be who you are. And faithful in what I have given you, what's in your hands. And... Um, and so even as I was writing this down in preparation for today, I found the Spirit wanting to ask each of you, what's in your hands? What has God given you? You know, I think of Lydia. Lydia, um, it's interesting. Lydia was the first convert, Paul's convert in Europe. I can guarantee you each one of you have been impacted by the gospel reaching Europe. Yeah. And here she was the first convert, first fruit of uh, Paul uh, in Europe. And uh, I felt the Lord challenging each one of you, wanting to challenge each one of you. What's in your hands? You know, what did Lydia have? Lydia, she had her business. She had uh, business connections. She was a leader. Um, she had her home. She had a household. And God used what she had in her hands and did some mighty things. And uh, so I want to challenge you. Ask yourself, what do I have? Where, where do I need to be faithful uh, in what God has given you? That's so cool. Philippi was awesome. Well, we left Philippi, we went to Neapolis, and then the next day was this long bus trip, which was actually really cool. Guess what we got to do? S sorry, some of you won't care. Uh, I care. Um, we got to, we, we drove through Thermopylae. How many know what Thermopylae is famous for? The Battle of the 300, the Greeks, I mean, uh, happened in Thermopylae. We drove past that, and, and within 24 hours, we passed through the Dardanelles, which is fam famous for Gallipoli in World War I. Apparently, that's not ancient enough for our bus to stop, even though I wanted to stop, because uh, it's such a historic place, a lot of, lot, lot of, lot of history there. But uh, very soon, we were into Turkey, uh, and we got to, of course, what do you have when you're in Turkey? Turkish delight, and it's delightful. I wanted to bring you all back a piece of Turkish delight but it got eaten in transit. I apologize. 
Um, we got to visit uh, seven of, uh, the, uh, the, the Apostle John wrote letters in, in the book of Revelation to seven different churches. And we got to visit each of those sites where those churches were. One of the, the, the most notable is, is that of Ephesus. I talked to, talked to a couple people who'd been to Ephesus. It's an incredible place. It was in its day one of the most important cities in Asia. Had an important church. The Apostle John was established there for many years. In fact, he went out from there to the other six churches on, as kind of a circuit preacher, actually doing discipleship, we believe, in, in, in those other churches. Uh, the Apostle Paul spent three years ministering in, in Ephesus. And in fact, what's really cool, they keep uncovering things, and they've, we saw inscriptions everywhere, blocks of stone with writing on it. It's so cool to see. And, and you, you could barely read anything, even with a little bit of Greek background that I have. I wasn't able to read much because it's, it's, it's difficult to read. But, but they have found one that talks in Ephesus of the school of Tyrannus. Tyrannus is mentioned in, 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 in Acts 19. Paul ran a, a di- discipleship school in the house of Tyrannus. And they mention this house, which is so cool. So you go to Ephesus, and you have all these ruins that are uncovered. It's a glorious place. I mean, it's really, really beautiful. And you can kind of get an idea of what the city was like. And then you go to Colossae, which is just not that far, maybe a half an hour drive, and it's just a hill. They haven't done any excavation there at all. And so some of the people on our tour who said, this is an archaeological tour, I thought we were going to see ruins. They were a little bit disappointed. I, I'm like loving it because, because it had been untouched. You, you'd, go, you'd walk around on the top of this hill and uh, where the rain had, had kind of worn the edges of this hilltop away, you could just see pottery shards and, and all kinds of artifacts. And apparently, you, you often will stumble on, on ancient coins. And, and I actually and probably... And was looking for those coins. I was. I, uh, I actually probably broke international law. I found what looks like to be a piece of a handle of maybe a jug. But you can just sense that this is like ancient craftsmanship right here. And I just quickly shoved that into my pocket and walked away and then found out later that in Turkey, you can go to jail if you're caught taking anything of their, so I'm, I'm probably, there's a want, I'm, I'm wanted in Turkey. But uh, all, the, all these experiences, all, all to say uh, that, that they opened us up to the land of, of the New Testament. Wouldn't you say that happened for you, Angel, that it opened you up to that, that world? Because I think you did. Um, one of the things we walked on the. We walked on the Roman road. Oh yeah. Uh, I think I have a picture of it. Next next slide. Uh, the, the, you look at the, the cobblestoneish rock in the foreground. That's the Via Ignatia, the Roman road. And uh, walking on that, where Paul walked, that was pretty inspiring. It also showed a lot of my ignorance. Uh, I, uh, I assumed most of the places Paul went to, he took a boat and he went there and you know, did his talking and then moved on to the next city. What I didn't know was he, in his first missionary journey, he uh, probably, they guess, walked 1,800 miles. The second missionary journey, 28 to 3,200 miles he walked. And we went most of it on a bus and we complained that the bus ride was too long and we, we wished it wasn't so long. And I couldn't believe um, 
the journey and the and the determination right. Paul must yeah. have had to travel and a lot of these places he chased them and he was beaten and for him to walk uh, that was pretty profound the other thing that also showed my ignorance was i didn't know how much of early christian story is in the modern day turkey i really didn't know that yeah. um I have always been a gospel girl. I've studied the gospels lots and I spent my years parked there. Um Paul doesn't really excite me and so I haven't been that excited about Paul, but this trip actually opened my eyes to Paul's world and the New Testament. Yeah, the books of Acts and and seeing the context. And and I'll tell you folks, uh my hope would be is that I'll I'll be sharing about this in the weeks and months and years to come. These will be experiences that we can we can reflect on and so I'll show you more pictures I promise. So thank you for sending us to Greece and Turkey. And that wrapped up our time together and then our last our fourth sort of big piece of of my sabbatical was was uh was kind of an adventure angel angel and I parted ways in Istanbul. She went one direction to one airport and at the same time I went to an, another direction to another airport and she flew home and I flew to Spain. And uh this is the part the people have been most curious about. They've asked me the most questions. How did you make out Derwin on your long walk? As if they were nervous that I was not going to make it or that I was going to like I just wasn't inspired by people's lack of confidence in me. I was very, you know, what's that all about? Uh, I not only survived. I think they were worried, Devin, that you are not a fitness buff. Yes, that's that's probably it. I I have bum feet. Uh, I don't really. I've never really gone on a long, long walk before, and so it was quite the adventure. Now, just some some backdrop. I want to give you some some context. While I was what I was embarking to do was walk a portion of the El Camino de Santiago pilgrimage. It's also known as the Way of Saint James, and it's a an almost 800 kilometer journey that you can take and it it actually there's actually more than one path there's the portuguese way there's the north way there's there's about five different ways you can take but they all are similar in that they arrive in santiago de compostela and more so they arrive at the the cathedral uh the basilica that is there where they believe they they have the remains of the apostle james that's why it's called the way of saint james um pilgrimage by the way is a word that means journey. We already talked about trying to be pilgrims and not tourists. So I I I famously only posted once uh at the beginning and the end of my pilgrimage walk on on Facebook. I I I threw out one post uh on the on a kind of bookend basically to ask for prayer that people would pray for me on my journey. But pilgrimage is about you're going somewhere. There's a a destiny involved. And as I considered my purpose for going on this pilgrimage it was not to see the remains of St. James as cool as that would be. Uh my purpose was to connect more deeply with Jesus through intentional practices of of quiet, silence, solitude, and also that practice of of just actually walking, of 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 sort of physicality to my faith. Now the other piece of this whole story is that I as I already said I felt totally unqualified to do it, even a portion of it. And when God put his finger on this whole thing for me, I I said yes partly because I found out that you can do what they call an easy camino, an easy pilgrimage. And uh so I I I I I had thought I can't do this, but then I thought, well I can do this. I'll just break it down. I'll do short shorter walks. 
So instead of doing, and I wasn't going to do 800 kilometers uh, anyway, but I was going to do, to actually get a certificate in Santiago, you have to go more than 100. So I was going to go about 125 kilometers. But interesting, along my sabbatical, as, as we were journeying all over the place, I had this sense that God was asking me to do a, a typical Camino, like to actually do more. And so I ended up, by the time I had arrived in Spain, I'd made the decision that I was going to try and walk uh, 225 kilometers. And uh, so over uh, nine or 10 days, uh, I walked uh, between, uh, any, the, the lo- shortest day was 16 kilometers, the, the longest day was 35 kilometers, with a, a typical day being about 20 to 25. Um, and, and with God's help, I, I'm here, I'm not a cripple, I can still walk, and I'm, I'm so, you know, I, I, I'm so grateful that God asked me and that I listened to do the harder thing. And I was thinking about, about some of you, I was thinking about you, especially those of you who are younger, young adults or, or, or teens. Um, you, you'll often be in situations where you have two choices before you, and one's like the easy path, and one's like the hard path, Right? And, and here's what I'll tell you, is very often the hard path is better. There's, there's more payoff, there's more reward, there's, there, there's, there's a greater experience and payoff at the end of, of that harder path. But what do we do so often? I, th- I think in, in our culture, it, it's, we've been sold on the easy way is the, the way to go, the easy Camino. And, and so I, I, my son uh, Noah, he's, he's in Australia right now, and he's preparing as we speak to be a missionary, to, to, to do medical work in Papua New Guinea starting in January till, till March. And uh, there was two options for his mission. And the one option was to go on the boat and stay on the boat, a medical ship, and he'd be like an assistant helping when people would come on during the day and he'd, he'd assist doing medical work. Uh, the other option was to go deep into the jungle and live in a village and get involved in a community, doing medical work in the community. And a few weeks ago when he was telling us about it, I said, Noah, which of those two is harder? And he said, going into the jungle. And I said, go into the jungle. Choose the harder thing. It'll be a better experience. And then a couple weeks ago, I said, did you make your decision? He says, Dad, I'm going to the jungle. And he, and he seemed really excited about it. I, I'm confident that he's going to have a, a remarkable experience in the jungles of Papua New Guinea, in theory, if he survives it. So pray for him. I mean, it'd be bad to say, choose the harder thing and then, you know, tra- okay, I got to really pray now. I'm, I'm going to stop. Um, I, 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 it was kind of funny. When I'm walking, it, it was hard. Like, actually, I've never, I don't think, in one foul swoop walked 35 kilometers and, and that particular day, I did it with gusto, and I only started really getting really weary is at the end of that. Um, but by the end of that day, I was, I was kind of done, feeling a sense of accomplishment as I went to bed that night. And the next day, I couldn't move. <laughs> I, I mean, I had a far more modest day ahead of me, but I think I'd, I think I'd injured my knee. I think I'd injured my knee a, a while ago, but I, it started to to be painful. In fact, you know, you know, going uphill became a, a good thing. Going downhill, I could barely do it. And uh, I remember that day. It was, it was crazy. Just backing up a second. Before I went on the Camino, as I'm on my way to Spain, God gave me a scripture. It was from Psalm 91, 
<laughs> where, where God promised that he'd be with me in this. It says, because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him for he acknowledges my name. He will call on me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. And I love that verse, because he loves me, says the Lord. I thought, I do love the Lord. Like, I, I qualify, I think, for this. I love the Lord. And then his promise, I will answer him when he's in trouble. And here I am on this day walking and feeling like, how am I going to get through 25 kilometers? And I got to about the 23 kilometer, I had a couple kilometers to go. And I'm beginning to have these experiences in my head where it's, I'm feeling like despair, I'm thinking, is this what despair feels like? I, I, I want to quit. Uh, I chose this pilgrimage. I can unchoose this pilgrimage is what I thought. You know, I, I chose this walk, and so this is what's going on in my head. And, and what happened to me as I, as I walked along, I just began feeling heavier and heavier. I've got this big pack, so if I, I finally, I'm going, I don't think I can make it. I'm in so much pain. And I, there was a bus stop there. And I, I, you never see the buses, but I went and sat at this bus stop, took off my backpack and took off my poncho, and I sat there for five minutes. And I thought, well, I got to get going. I mean, it's, this walk is not going to walk itself. And so I, I get back up, and I'm putting my, my backpack back on, and I'm kind of crying out to God this whole time, like, Lord, I, I don't think I can make it. I need your help. And, and then uh, the poncho, getting a poncho back on when you got a backpack over top, it's like you have to like throw it up in the air and then kind of do this like dance to, 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 to like hopefully it falls on your head and get it over your backpack. And I'm, while I'm doing that, my phone pocket dials uh, Facebook Messenger. It does a family call to Angel and Caleb and Noah who are, by the way, at that point we were all in different time zones in the world. And, and I, I don't know what's pocket dial. All I know is my phone starts buzzing and so I've just got this thing in, and I reach into my phone, into my pocket, pull up my phone, and there's my son Noah uh, on the screen. And I had a video call of Noah, and I felt really embarrassed about it. I said, like, son, I'm sorry, I, uh, you know, hate to bug you. It was like bedtime for him, and he said, I can't talk long, Dad. And, and then I thought, well, I'm being an idiot. Here, I've got my son who loves me. I said, son, before, before I hang up, would you pray for me? I'm really discouraged and I want to quit. I'm feeling kind of despair. <laughs> and uh, he went on to pray this amazing prayer of encouragement that just uh, meant the world to me. And I hung up from that phone call and I walked about 100 meters. By the way, that day I hadn't eaten. That was probably why I was feeling despair. Had not eaten, hadn't had a cup of coffee. This is like two in the afternoon. And 100 meters down the road is a coffee shop that served the best lunch ever and probably the tastiest cup of coffee in my life. And, and I felt God just restoring me and giving me hope. And by the end of that day, by, by bedtime, I felt joy and how God met me. Um, I want to wrap up our, our talk, but we're going to invite Neil up in a moment who's going to perform a song for us, and then we're going to light the Advent wreath. But uh, when we were in Kareth Retreat, God gave us a word that I felt was for, you, for us as well. And the word was greater. Greater is he that is in you than, than, than he that is in the world. Uh, the words greater things you will do because I go to my father. You'll do what I've been doing, Jesus said, and you'll do greater things. In a sense that 
For me, part of this, this going on, on a walk that seemed impossible for me, like honestly, 225 kilometers seemed like a crazy, stupid idea on my part that I didn't think I could do, and yet I made it. I, I was able to, to, God carried me through. It was, it was like I had a ceiling of what I thought I could do physically in my life, and, and God kind of burst through that ceiling. And, and I wonder if, if there's a ceiling that maybe we have here even as a church where we think this is what God has for us, this lever, level of comfort, this level of, of fruitfulness or effectiveness. And, and my sense is God wants to use you in greater ways in the day, days ahead than he has in the past. That God wants to blow your ceiling, whatever that is, and open you up to a pilgrim's life. It's not easy. It might mean choosing the harder thing, it, it, it might mean walking a path that, that at times is, is painful and difficult. But he, he actually calls anyone who chooses to walk in the way of Jesus. It's, it's a pilgrim's path, and it's not comfort, but it's impact, and it's kingdom, and it's a changed world. It, it's, it's, it's hungry folks getting fed in our basement is what it is. It's friends of ours who, who have no clue of the good news, hearing the good news in a way that they can understand. And so I don't know what greater thing he's calling you to, but I just go, in my own life, I don't want to settle for, I can't do that. That was my line for the Camino and, and for, for parts, of my, my, parts of my life, I think. I've said that in my own way. I feel like God's calling us to be risk takers. He's calling me to be a risk taker. To, to lay down my life for what God wants to do. And he wants to do that through you. And we're in this together. Amen? Okay, Neil, come on up. He's got, uh, just I want you to soak up this time. If God is speaking to you, pay attention. Whatever he said to you, maybe it's you've got right before you today a hard choice, uh, a difficult choice. Maybe it's, he, he's saying, I, I, I want you to step out and serve. I want you to, you to step out and, and surrender something that's in your life that's, that's holding you back or, or a lie that, that you've believed. Um, allow, even as we listen to this song that really celebrates Christ coming, God to speak to you. And then Suzanne's gonna come and, and lead us in a, an Advent prayer.